King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. Why don't you stand on your feet this morning, give the Lord a praise, and welcome Pastor Damon as he comes. Amen. You can stand on your feet. Remain standing. If you are standing, if you're not standing, then go ahead and get up on your feet. Isn't the presence of God rich in this place today? What a wonderful day. What a great day to be in God's presence with his people. To all of you who are here, especially all of our guests, we just want to welcome you and thank you for being with us. Most of all, we know at Triumph Church, regardless of which campus you may be, um, located or worshiping in, whether you're online, we welcome you, those of our online audience worshiping with us today. But wherever, here's our great goal, is not that you would just hear some great music and a great teaching that can help you out, but that every time we gather, we would encounter the presence of a living God. Our God is not dead, He is alive. He is not distant from us, but He is active in our midst. He's ready to heal, ready to save, ready to deliver, ready to move in your situation. He's a God that can be touched, the scripture says, by the feelings of our infirmity. He's not distant or disinterested, but he's present and he's here today. Amen. So we're going to have a great time today as we get ready to go to the word this morning. Pastor Randon and Lindsay are in Sugarland at our Triumph Church Sugarland there. They're preaching today as they just finished a wonderful vacation and cruise. Uh, they got off the boat and headed to church, and so they couldn't make it here. Uh, so they're in Sugarland. Of course, Bishop and Pastor Renee are in Africa with uh, Bishop Tudor and Pastor Chichi Bismarck. And uh, my name is Damon Scapin. For those of you who have not had the privilege to meet, and I'm the lead pastor of Triumph Church in Nederland, our Nederland campus. And I love Triumph Church Beaumont. Been here before all of you. Or a part of, was a part of the inception of this great church right here. And can't wait in just a couple months when we cut the ribbon and pour out the oil and dedicate our brand new sanctuary. What a big day that's going to be. Awesome. You can open your Bibles with me to Isaiah chapter 42. As you remain standing, I'll let you sit in a minute, but it's good for your blood flow. I want you to turn there and I want you to do something else. I want you to get out your smartphone. Uh, your phone is not a smartphone if it still flips, so that may help you clarify. If it flips, it's a dumb phone. If it doesn't, it's a smartphone. Uh, if you're saved, it's an iPhone. If, you're, if, if we're praying you in, then it's an Android. So that's kind of how it works, just to give everybody a clue. I want you to go on Facebook. Yes, Facebook in church. I want you to go on Facebook. I know you got it. You've probably already been on it this morning while we were in the presence of God. You were on Facebook. I know I was. No, I'm just kidding. And this is what I want you to do. We are prepared for uh, our next great assignment as a network of churches. And that is that God has sent us, uh, specifically my lovely wife and I, Pastor Christine's with me on the front row. My, she's my main woman and my other woman all in one. Guys, that's a great deal. If you get your wife and your mistress in the same woman, that's how it needs to be. And that's what I've got right here. <laughs> and uh, she's also my com compatriot here. We, we do life together. All of our kids are here today getting to be a part of the wonderful ministry in the children's ministry. But uh, God is sending us to Washington, D.C. And he is sending you to Washington. See, us, that means you too. He's sending us to Washington, D.C. to plan a Triumph Church and a network of Triumph Churches there in D.C. And we want as many people as possible to pray with us and for us, to uh, go and visit, to uh, pray about even relocating and moving there to help us, and to give towards this great project. Our vision is to impact and to influence a city that influences the world. Uh, the world is influenced from what happens in Washington, D.C., and uh, we believe that God wants us as a Triumph Church to have a voice in what's happening there. Not a, just a political voice or a, an academic voice, but a voice representing the kingdom of God, God's interests 
on the planet. And so we want you to, to, to get on Facebook, go to our, our Facebook page, Triumph DC, and like the page. We're uh, right close to 750 likes, and we want a 1,000 likes, meaning that you'll pray with us, that you'll pray for this project. We believe that we're supposed to raise up a 1,000 intercessors to pray for this project, uh, to cover it in what God wants to do. So go to Triumph DC, one word, on Facebook, and like our page. And then how many of you have not yet received one of these strategy guides? Lift up your hand and let us bring you one. Ushers, help me here. We should have those available. Hold up your hand high. And let us see if you don't have one of these, we want to bring you one. I don't see anybody moving. I need to see ushers moving with strategy guides right now. Thank you very, very much. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, we want you to have one of these. It tells you about the vision, uh, the timeline that we're working in, our budget, uh, the reason why we're going to D.C. All of those things are right here. And you think of this as your personal prayer guide to cover uh, what God will do as you partner with us to reach the world uh, from Washington, D.C. So uh, this is your, your prayer guide. We need lots of prayer. We need lots of money. God's given us incredible opportunity uh, with a facility. I need a donor, somebody who, who has multi-millions who will help us get a, a, a church location right there. We've got the location picked out. We just need a couple million dollars to secure it. How many of you know that's not too hard for God? I mean, don't you think God would want a permanent plot of ground in Washington, D.C.? The church faces the capital of the United States. Four blocks straight from the front steps of the church, you're on the steps of the capital. Uh, very strategic. And uh, we just need God to open up the door and show us the way. But uh, we're going, and you guys are going to have a great place to vacation and to uh, bring. So I'm telling you this because I'm here, and you're here, and uh, God's moving, and we want as many people as possible to be a part of this so that we can all rejoice as God does great, great things through that. And we've got several people. In fact, I think it's significant that after Bishop said, hey, I, I want as many people who are praying and just may want to just sell their home and relocate and go out there. I mean, we have someone from every single Triumph Church campus that are actually moving out there to be a part of starting. That way we can start it as Triumph DNA from day one. From this congregation, Ray and Felicia Jackson, they're heading out there with us. And, uh, and God has blessed them, and Pastor Randon is releasing them, and they're going to be a part of, of this great endeavor. So we need to pray for them. We need to pray that their house will sell for maximum money, that their jobs will open up there, that God will orchestrate. This is bigger than any one person. And that's what I love about Triumph Church. If you're a guest here, you may not know this, so I'm going to tell you. The beauty of Triumph Church is that we are bigger than one specific location, one specific pastor or person, one specific worship leader or worship team. We're a big family, and we can do everything that God calls us to do from the family that is Triumph Church. And uh, so that's great. Neil and Sarah, our worship pastors in Nederland, are going to be going with us as well. And, uh, you know, I just want you to cover these guys in prayer because... I have great admiration for someone like that. Uh, Neil's been on staff with us at Triumph for seven years, and he's just said, you know, uh, I believe that God has called us to be a part of this. I'm going to go off staff. I'm going to go find a secular job in D.C. I'm going to move my family 21 hours away from uh, everybody that they know, and I'm going to work in the secular world so that I can be a part of what God wants to do in Washington, D.C. through Triumph, D.C. I believe God honors that faith. So we need their house to sell. We need him to get an incredible job. And I'm just going to believe God's going to give him a job and make more money than I could have ever paid him here. And just, just bless his socks off because of that. So many other, we're just believing that. You know, our, uh, our first family who became uh, plugged into Triumph DC came through our Sugarland campus. And they were in our Sugarland campus for about a year and got transferred. I never met them while we were here. But I met them in D.C. And they said, we've been praying that God would send a Triumph Church to Washington, D.C. And you're here. And I said, I've been praying that somebody would be praying that God would send us to D.C. And so we were the answer to each other's prayer. Howard and Veronica Eves. Uh, Brie Bergeron, another great daughter of ours, is uh, going. She's uh, going. And I do want to take another minute. And you know what? I got time and I don't get here very often. So I'm just taking, you know, it's good. Everybody, your blood's going good in your legs, right? You're good with standing right here. Um, 
just want to say again to Pastor Brandon how proud I am of you. We go way back. Uh, when I first came to Triumph nearly 15 years ago, I was the youth pastor, and he was a little punk in my youth group. But I knew that God had a call on his life, as did many other people. And uh, it's a privilege for us to be a part of your life. And uh, he's doing an incredible job with his lovely wife, Pastor Crystal. And uh, it's just the beginning of what God's going to do through them and in this place and everywhere. I mean, just a, an incredible excitement is in the air that God is moving and we just get to be a small part. I love it that that, w in which, that of which I play a part is greater than the part I play. We're part of something really, really big. And I'm happy to have a small part in something huge, right? I don't want a big part in something small. I want a small part in something huge for the kingdom of God. Okay, Isaiah chapter 42, we're going to jump right in the word uh, today. Thank you, Maestro. In Marcus Zapata doing a great job and all of our music and arts team. Man, you guys have it good. Verse 16 of Isaiah 42, we're going to stand for the reading of this scripture, then I'll let you sit. And I will lead the blind in a way they do not know. In paths they have not known, I will guide them. I will turn darkness before them into light. The rough places into level ground. These are the things I do, and I do not forsake them. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your spirit is bringing life to it right now. Open our hearts, our ears, our eyes. Let us be ready to respond, ready to receive what you would speak to us today in Jesus' name. Everybody shout amen. Okay, before you're seated, turn around, hit somebody, high five, handshake, fist bump, noogie, put them in a headlock, throw an elbow, give them a dirty look if they've been mean to you, smile at them if they're nice, move if, they're, if they smell, move to a different place. You can do a lot in that little one-minute transition right there uh, before you sit down. <laughs> I want to talk to you today, and the title of my message, and I really believe it's going to be a word from the Lord for you, is God of the Dark. Will you say that with me? God of the Dark. God of the Dark. And this message is kind of birthed out of uh, the answer to a 14-year-old prayer uh, of my wife and mine, where we prayed and asked God to reveal to us our future, our destiny. We came here 15 years ago, almost, knowing that God had sent us to link up with our Bishop Randy and Pastor Renee Clark uh, so that he would develop us, so that he would uh, experience us, so that he would pour into us and we would be able to be a blessing to them, that he would send us from there through their covering and through their initiation that he would send us uh, to where he would have us to plant our lives. And so we prayed, God, where would that be? And this message was born out of that season as God began to answer and show us that he is a God of the dark. A.W. Tozer, a great theologian and pastor, said this. He said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into your mind when you or I think about God is the most important thing about us. Because it is through that lens that we view all of life. It is important then that we must think rightly about God. If we think too lowly of God, if we try to pull God down onto our level and make Him like us, then it will affect the entirety of our life. However, if we think rightly about God, His person, His nature, how huge and immense He is, how powerful and strong He is, then it will also affect the entirety of our life for good. We must understand who He is knowing that we can never fully understand Him. And that's what's so awesome about God. Because you and I will never be able to fully grasp the God that we serve. He's so much bigger and much more loving and more powerful than you could imagine, than I could imagine. We can search. He is unfathomable. You can never reach. There is no height or depth or end or spatial dimension in God. He is. He is. Right? No beginning, no end. He fills all places and all things. He is God. 
However, as sinful human beings, we like to pull God down onto our level so that we can uh, put him into our little box and declare what he is and what he is not and what he does and what he doesn't do like we are some authorities on God who cannot be fully described, defined, or even understood. And one of the facets of God's nature that I love so much is that God is a contrary God. Everybody shout contrary. God is a contrary God. That means that he is opposite in nature. By definition, God is opposite to you and to I. Look at somebody and say, I'm glad God's not like you. (laughs) He is opposite to us. He is contrary to logic and reason and, and to me and to you. In fact, if God ever were to be brought to our level, he would cease to be God. Because by definition, God means that he is other That he is his own being. There is no other being in the universe like God. He is, someone said, God all by himself. There is no one you can liken God to. Is it okay if I preach a little bit on Sunday morning at 1120? We're good, right? There is nobody you can compare him to. And his nature is different from our nature. You say, well, I wouldn't have thought God would do it. It's a good thing you wouldn't have thought because he's not like you. And just when you think you know how he would respond, what he would say, what he should or should not do, he will blow your mind just to prove to you, you have no clue the vastness and the immensity and the omnipotence of the God that we serve. He spoke through Isaiah and said, my thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are not your ways, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so my thoughts are at a whole nother level than your thoughts and my thoughts. And God specializes in unconventionality, in being contrary to the way that you or I would approach a situation. He specializes in the impossible, in the illogical, in the tasks that cannot be done and that we would say, oh, that is impossible. That is God's specialty. He says, I'll make a way in the desert. I'll make a river in the desert. I'll do things that if you were to think about it, it would blow your mind you see something in your life or in someone else's life, well, I, you know, I, I thought it should kind of go like this. I would think this would be the, the, the best. Then just know that's probably not how God's going to do it. It's a good sign that God's at work when it's unconventional and contrary. See, sometimes contrary even means that it's opposing to the way you or I would do that. So I want to tell you a little bit about God's nature today. And the title of my message is God of the Dark. I want to give you three truths about God being the God of the dark or of the unknown, of the places in our life that is covered in darkness. And then I want to give you three ways that you can apply those to your life. So hopefully you'll take notes. You can use an offering envelope or a piece of paper, your iPad, iPhone, something like that. I know you're not just uh, smart enough to remember it all. Just take it in. But let's, uh, let's... Let's look at these three facets or truths of God's nature that he is the God of the dark. Shout God of the dark. Number one, God is a God of darkness, though he is light. Think of what I'm saying. God is a God of darkness, though he is light. Now we know 1 John tells us that God is light. God is light. He is perfect. He is perfect. Pure, He is fully love and, and righteousness and justice. He is light. He dwells in inapproachable light. No man can look at God and live. God is light. There is no shadow or, or variableness in Him. His DNA, His person, His being is, by definition, light. However, we also see in Scripture that God is a God of darkness. Everybody shout darkness. Deuteronomy tells us that God speaks out of thick Darkness. In 1 Kings, God said that he would dwell in thick darkness, that our God, who is light, is the God of darkness. He speaks out of thick darkness. He dwells in thick darkness. Now look at Psalm 18 that they'll put on the screen, two verses, verse 9 and then verse 11. It says, he bowed the heavens and came down. Thick darkness was under his feet. Verse 11 says, he made darkness his covering." His canopy around him, thick clouds, dark with water. 
Psalm 97 further confirms and says that clouds and thick darkness surround him. So God, though he is light, he is a God of darkness. He shrouds himself. He rides upon the darkness. He speaks out of the darkness. He dwells in darkness. Therefore, we have to conclude that all darkness is not bad. You see, there are basically two types of darkness. There's darkness that is evil... And then there is darkness that is mystery. God is not a God of evil. He is of darkness, meaning that he is a God of unfathomable mystery. Everybody shout mystery. Mystery. He is unsearchable. In fact, God, the God that you and I serve, is a concealing God. He likes to cover some things up. He likes to conceal things. In Proverbs 25, it says that... It is actually the glory of God to conceal a thing, to hide it. But it is the glory of kings, or you and I, the glory of man, to search it out. We're learning about God's nature, his person, because remember, what what you and I think about when we think about God is the most important thing about us. We have to understand he's a contrary God because he is a God of darkness, though he is light. Though he himself is light, he shrouds himself in darkness, not in evil, but in mystery. He is a concealing God. And when God conceals or when God hides, it's important to realize God doesn't hide things from us, but he hides things for us. As any good father would, he hides things for us so that God's glory, the scripture says, God's joy is in seeing us find the things that he has prepared and hidden in advance for us. However, it is our glory, it is our joy, it is our growth, it is our maturity to actually seek out to find the things that God has hidden in advance for us. A good father, of course, when you would hide Easter eggs on on Easter Sunday, you're not trying. The goal is not that your kids would never find the eggs, right? I mean, some of you may be a little twisted like that, but I mean, you don't want the eggs to rot and the kids to cry. I mean, you hide eggs, and what is the purpose? Because you as a dad get delight from watching your kids search it out and find out, I wonder where this egg is going to be. And then when they find it, and the excitement, the sheer joy of seeing that you as a father had prepared in advance and hidden something for them, and they found it, is unmatched. And that is the story of our God of our Father, who is mysterious and concealing, and He hides things, but He doesn't hide them from us. He hides them for us, so that in the seeking out and the searching out of the things that God has hidden for us, He gets joy, and we receive glory, weight, abundance, wealth, stature. That's what I just read from Proverbs 25. So the will of God, then, is actually hidden, not from you, but for you. Look at somebody straight in the face and say, for you. Point your finger, for you. God's will is a mystery, but it's not as if God is, is sitting up in heaven getting, getting uh, you know, uh, some joy out of you saying, well, I don't know what God's will is. No, he has hidden it for you. And here's the other thing. He has hidden it from the devil. Did you know that? One of the reasons why God hides things and why he hides things from us or for us is that he hides them from the enemy. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. They'll put it on the screen. A few verses there. It says, Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it's not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. He says, But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages, here's that word again, for our glory. Now look at this. None of the rulers of this age understood this. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. You see, God hides things for you. The will of God is hidden for you, but it is also hidden from the devil. You see, the devil has no clue. We think the devil knows everything. Oh, Lord, the devil's been on my back all day long. I've been chasing. The devil's been chasing me. He's been defeating me. We like to glorify the devil. Sometimes instead of having a great big God and a little bitty devil, we got a great big devil and a little bitty God. 
The devil doesn't know everything. God alone is omniscient and knows everything. And God loves to hide things from the devil. The scripture says that if Satan would have known that Jesus being crucified would then be raised from the dead, he would have never crucified him. God hid in his perfect wisdom, in his secret and hidden wisdom, he concealed the plot of the ages that Jesus would come and be crucified and buried and resurrected. He hid it from the devil and he hid it for you and for me. In fact, it is because he hides things for us so that as we seek him, we actually find even who we are. God is a God of darkness Though he is light. He hides things not from us but for us. And he hides them from the devil. You see just as you and I. If we knew how big God's plans in entirety were for our life. We would mess them up. So if the devil knew what God had planned for you and for you and for you. He would go to work overtime to try to thwart what God has, is doing. But God keeps it hidden from the devil and hidden for you. So that as you're growing closer to God and seeking him and finding out more of who you are. Then you're able to work the plan of God step by step. And the enemy is caught totally unaware. Shout amen. amen. Number two, God is a God in darkness, though he is never in the dark. God is a God of darkness, though he is light. Number two, God is a God in darkness, though he is never in the dark. So not only is God a God of mystery, but God is God in the mysterious, unsearchable, lack of understanding place. In our life, but he is never in the dark. Have you ever used that phrase before? You know, I, don't, I didn't know what was going on. I was just in the dark. Right? That means that I wasn't privy to all of the information. I didn't fully understand what was going on until after the fact. I was in the dark. It was concealed from me. Let me just tell you, whatever you're going through right now, whatever you're facing in your life, good, bad, or ugly, God is not in the dark. There is nothing that can happen or has ever happened or will ever happen that will take God by surprise. It's not like, oh, oh, I wasn't planning on that one. Did, don't know how to respond. Give me a few minutes. God is never in the dark. But he is the God in darkness. In fact, God does a couple of things in the dark that you and I need to know. First of all, if we look at this passage in Psalm in Isaiah 42, we see that God speaks to us or leads us in the dark. Look at what he says, verse 16 of Isaiah 42. He says, "And I will lead the blind in a way that they do not know. In paths they have not known, I will guide them." So God literally leads us in the dark. You cannot know about your situation, not know what God is doing, have no clue what the end will be, but God still leads us in the dark. In fact, it's one of God's promises that he will lead the blind in a way that they do not know. Aren't you glad you don't have to know everything to be led by God? Aren't you glad you don't even have to know where you're going to be able to walk with God? In fact, I would propose to you that if you have to know where you're going, you'll never be led by God. If you wait until you can see the plan to follow Jesus, you'll never follow Jesus. Because most of the life that we live with God is lived in darkness, in mystery, in dim understanding. But we have this great promise that God is a God who leads us even in ways that we do not know. Shall lead me, Jesus. You ever been in a room when the lights just go out and you, you grab for someone next to you, right? You grab for them to hold your hand. And, and you don't have to know the way in darkness if you're with someone who does know the way. You just have to let them lead you when you're blind in a way that you do not understand. And God's promise is that he leads us in the dark. I remember as I think back of how God spoke to us about Washington, D.C. And... Uh, just by circumstance, by just almost uh, uh, just, a, 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 just a spontaneous thing, we decided we were going to go take our kids to visit their great-grandmother before she passed. 
and she happened to live in Maryland, just about 40 minutes from D.C. And uh, because through a turn of, of events, we couldn't even stay there with her. In that, we were forced to stay in Washington, D.C. And so we said, well, we'll just make the best of it. We'll take the week and spend it with our kids and show them all the sites and all of that. This was in 2010, before it was ever on our radar. It wasn't even the time for us to transition or move. But I remember, and I've looked back at my journal from that very day in 2010, that God was stirring me in my spirit and that he was speaking to me about the city and I, I, re, I remember writing and I could read it to you God what are you saying to me what are you doing in me I don't understand what it is that you're doing but I feel something stirring I feel a sense of destiny in this place but I did not know but in 2010 in November God was leading the blind in a way that they did not know in paths that they did not know God was leading us it would be nearly two years later to the day before we would be back in that same city in Washington, D.C. when he would speak clearly and conclusively to us. The veil would be removed and we would know this is where we are to be for now and for our future and for the rest of our lives. Because God leads us in the dark. But the other thing that he does in the dark is that he reveals to us from the dark. He reveals from the dark. Look at Isaiah 42 again. It says, I will turn the darkness before them into light, the rough places into level ground. So God will reveal to us from the dark. He will make the crooked places straight. He will show us things that we didn't previously see. But he does this from darkness. Everybody shout darkness. From mystery. From a lack of understanding. Listen, consider this. There is nothing that can ever be revealed that has not first been hidden. For you to ever say, wow, I didn't know that. It had to have first been concealed from you. For you to ever have an aha moment or, or an understanding or a surprise, it had to have first been covered. God can give you no revelation that we love so much. Boy, we love it when God shows us stuff, right? But we don't realize for God to show us something new, He would have first had to cover us or blind us from that information. God reveals to us, not from the light places, but he reveals from the dark. Because it is against the backdrop of darkness that the light of revelation shines most brightly. When I went to pick out my wife's wedding ring, and they put all of the diamonds on the counter. They don't just lay them out on the glass with the light shone, but what do they do? They pull out a thick black pad, pitch black, and they lay the stones by themselves on top of that thick black pad and when the light shines and hits the stone against the darkest backdrop the stone's brilliance is revealed and you and I our brilliance as children of God as sons of the living God is most revealed against the backdrop of darkness of obscurity of a lack of understanding when we're walking with God and we can't see our way but we're putting one foot in front of the other and saying Jesus hold my hand speak to me lead me and reveal yourself to me. Because God is a God of darkness, though he is light. And God is a God in darkness. But don't make a mistake. He is never in the dark. He leads us in the dark. And he reveals to us from the dark. Sometimes the safest place to be in your life is with God in the dark. He is the God of the dark. When we finally made it to D.C., we had traveled the country. Bishop and Sister Renee and the entire Clark family were praying with us about what God was calling us to do. And Pastor Randy said, I really just feel like, you know, because I'd said, look, Bishop, you're the apostle. You can send me wherever you want me to go. He said, I really feel like that God is going to have to speak to you first this time. And so we had a list and we traveled all around the country at different cities. We knew that God wanted us in an inter international city. We knew that he wanted us in a city that's big enough out of which we could uh, base our life for all of the future. And all of our family could minister out of that city. But we went through and we traveled all over and we, got, we heard a lot from God. We just heard a bunch of no's. Have you ever been there before? <laughs> right? Man, I'm hearing from God steady. It's just not what I want to hear. And so we were about to go to the last city on our list, D.C., that we had not been there since 2010. This was in November of last year. And they prayed for us, and we were just hoping to hear a no or a maybe. We got there. We went through the whole city. We absolutely loved it. We could see ourselves living there. We saw the great need. We walked down Massachusetts Avenue called Embassy Row, where there are nearly 200 embassies, foreign 
ground, plots of ground that are sovereign to countries, to other countries, where all the countries of the world are represented from that place. We saw the significance of where the ambassadors would live and saw that God could literally reach across the globe from this one plot of ground. And it moved us and we said, oh, this is so awesome. The night before we were to get on the plane to come back home, we still had not heard conclusively. We went to see uh, the Lincoln movie in Georgetown in D.C. We were walking back to our car, my wife and I, uh, hand in hand. And I said, you know, I'm just a little ticked off at God. Aren't you glad you can be mad at God and he he doesn't just like kill you? (laughs) So I said, yeah, I'm just a little mad at God. I said, because I love this. She said, well, baby, don't you, do you think that, you know, you're 80% sure this is the place? I said, yeah, but I'm not going to move my life and uproot my family and go to some place like Washington, D.C. on 80% sure. God knows what I need. I need a prophecy. I need a scripture to stand on. And by the way, don't you know, I'm not good enough, smart enough, cute enough. And just went through the whole list and vulnerability with my wife as to why God could not use us, why he should pick someone else. You ever done that? When God calls you to do something, the first thing you say is, you probably picked the wrong guy, God, right? L- let me help you out. Uh, you know, these are why I'm not qualified. My most vulnerable moment, we made it to our hotel room, which was in Capitol Hill, laid down on the bed. She said, well, I'm just going to put some, some arrows that are pointing this way. Just list them in my phone. We'll just pray about it. We were to leave that next morning to come back to, to Nederland. So she said, I'm just going to speak it in my phone. So she grabbed her iPhone We didn't know, but uh, about two months before, September, we got a random call from Dr. Judy Laird. Do you all remember Dr. Judy Laird? Great prophetic woman of God. So she called us in September and just said, "Ah, I got a word for you. And she was like, okay, it was 930 at night. We got in the bedroom, put it on speakerphone, recorded it on her phone, listened to it on my phone. She gave this long word. She talked for about 35 minutes, very random kind of, you know, boom, 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 boom. It was a good word. Have you ever received one of those prophecies that you're like, yeah, this is great. Yeah, but, but it just like doesn't mean anything to you. It's like, it's great. I re- praise God. You can even hear us on the other line. Oh, yeah, praise God. We receive it, you know. But it just didn't click. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I know y'all are trying to act like you don't. Okay, right. So we forgot about it. Fast forward November, we did this deal, came back laying down. Christine said, I'm, I'm just going to put it in my phone. So she, she was going to speak it into her voice memo, and she accidentally hit the button underneath, and Judy Laird's voice started playing. And the first thing she said was, I've never quite given this word just like this, but the Lord says that he is promoting you in your ambassadorship. That he's calling you to increase in your level of anointing as an ambassador for the kingdom of God. And we had just that day walked down the embassy row and seen where every ambassador had lived and said, God can can minister to the world from this place. Look, and, and I felt like that God was saying, where's my place, where's my plot of ground here representing my kingdom in this world? She said, God's promoting you in your ambassadorship. And she began to speak and prophesy. And that word that we had received three months earlier that meant nothing. Now it was the very word of God illuminating and revealing to us in our darkest place. She ended up in Genesis chapter 28 where Jacob had encountered God at Bethel. And she began to read from the scripture about the ladder. You know the story with the ladder ascending and descending and all of that. And and the Lord spoke to Jacob. And she was literally reading it from the Bible. She said, and this is the word of the Lord to you. She said, then the Lord said to Jacob, the ground on which you are lying, I am giving to you and to your descendants. And from through you will all of the families of the earth be blessed. And it was at that moment that the Holy Spirit arrested us as we were laying on the ground of Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. The word meant nothing in Nederland, Texas to us when we received it there. And now it is the very word of the Lord to us. And she said, she began to keep reading and she said, and I will bring you back to this place. And then she, then after she read that, and we were just a wet washcloth by now, you know, when the Holy just, we were just laying on the bed, it was midnight, we were like, I'm sorry for not believing you, God. Right? You know, you know, right? It's like, you're mad now. And then when God comes through, which, by the way, he always comes through, then you feel like a schmuck for not believing that he would come through, right? (laughs) And boy, when she finished reading that, she said, and don't say that you're not the right person for the job. 
And don't say that you're not smart enough, that you don't have the, uh, enough money, that you don't have enough education behind your name, that you don't have this and that. And she began to address every inadequacy and every vulnerability that I mentioned to my wife in the previous hour. As if God was walking right with us as we were sharing the deep recesses of our hearts. I took a picture of my phone to remember, of the screen of my phone to remember the time and the date. It was so significant. I knew that at that point on November the 20th, at 12.12 that evening, God revealed to us where we would spend the rest of our lives. I jumped up and I ran. I was like, I don't remember this deal. This is God. You know, it's the same thing that Jacob said. Surely the Lord is in this place and I didn't even know it. And so he grabbed a stone and a bottle of oil and he poured oil on the stone. And he said, this is the altar of God. This is the house of God. So I ran out, took a picture of the hotel, the back of the door, where it had the room number and everything. And then I realized in an incredible moment, we price line, okay? We don't pay full price for nothing. We price line. So we didn't know where we were going to stand. You see, I price lined it the day before we flew out there. So I realized that the name of our hotel that by happenstance Priceline gave us was called the liaison, which means an intermediary who goes between to communicate on behalf of two parties, which is exactly the word picture of Jacob's ladder with angels ascending and descending, that we were at a place for God to speak to us because God reveals things from darkness. And as sure as the thick darkness surrounds you right now in any area of your life, in a moment God can speak from that darkness and what has been hidden for ages can be revealed in just a second. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't question God. But hold on to His hand because He speaks from the darkness and He reveals from the darkness. Number three, and I'll end here today. Number one, God is a God of darkness, though he is light. Number two, God is a God in darkness, though he is never in the dark. And number three, God does his most awesome, awful, A-W-E, awful and majestic works in darkness. God doesn't do his greatest works in the light of day. God does his most incredible works shrouded. It was in the darkness of Genesis chapter 1 that God was creating the world. And the Holy Spirit was moving upon the face of the deep. There was void. There was darkness. And it is out of that darkness that God formed the planet in his wonderful act of creation. It was when God made a covenant with Abraham. He did not do it in the light of day. But he caused Abraham to fall asleep. And thick darkness settled. And then he was a burning lamp in between them as Abraham and God cut covenant in the pitch blackness of the dark. The children of Israel weren't delivered from Egyptian bondage in broad daylight. It was deep after dark when the death angel passed through and then God began to deliver them. He, after the death angel passed through and he led nearly two million Israelites out in the darkness of night, God worked his greatest act of deliverance. Somebody shout yes. If you're in a dark place today, that's good news because God works his most awesome works in darkness. It was in the dark and stillness of a virgin's womb that God became flesh, that the Holy Spirit impregnated the Virgin Mary in the darkness of her womb. God, for the first time in history and the last time in history, took on flesh and became formed. And the embryo was formed in Mary's dark womb. It was in the darkness of the cross that Jesus was strung between heaven and earth on the cross. All could see him, but the scripture says that when it came time for him to pay for our sin, when he was to make atonement and was to make propitiation for our sin and to pay the price for all of the sin of humanity, the scripture says that thick darkness settled upon Jesus while he was on the cross and no one could see what was going on as the father was putting all the weight of sin upon his son and the son was paying the price for your sin and my sin. The most wonderful works that God has ever done, he has done in complete darkness. was in, out of the darkness of the tomb where they laid the body of Jesus that the Holy Spirit raised his body 
from the dead. God does his most incredible works in darkness as if to say that no man can understand his wisdom anyway. So he covers it and he works on it and he does his mighty work so that when he reveals it, all of the world is blessed by the work that God has done in darkness. So don't be afraid of the dark. If you're in a dark place in your relationship or your finances, if you don't know where God is taking you or what he's done with you or feel like that he's abandoned you, don't be afraid of the dark. Don't curse the dark because God is at work in the dark. He is not, he is not lacking information. He is covering you so that he can speak to you and so that he can raise you to do what he's called you to do. So what do we do when we're in the dark? What do we do when we can't see the next step? What do we do when, we, when we're seeking but we're not finding? When we're knocking but the door has not yet been opened? When we're, when we're asking but we haven't yet received? What do we do with the God of the dark when we don't know what to do? Let me give you three things as we close today. Number one, trust and rely upon God. I know it sounds simple, but trust God in the dark places and rely upon him in the dark places. Isaiah chapter 50 says this in two verses. Isaiah chapter 50, verse 10. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? Let him who walks in darkness and has no light, look, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. Somebody shout, trust him. When you can't see him, trust him. When you don't know what he's doing, rely upon him. And then look at what the next verse says. It says, Behold all you who kindle a fire, who equip yourselves with burning torches and walk by the light of your fire and, and by the torches that you have kindled. He says, This you have from me. He said, You shall lie down in torment. You see, because when we don't understand what's going on and it's dark all around us, the tendency is not to trust God, but to try to create our own way, to try to light up our own torch, to try to bring illumination to the situation, to try to lean on our own understanding. But if you're in a dark place and you don't know, God has not yet revealed it to you, then trust Him and rely upon Him. Don't go fumbling around to try to make your own way because it'll be a curse to you is what the Scripture says. Trust God even in the dark. Number two, draw near to Him. When you've asked but you've not yet received, when you're knocking but the door hasn't been opened yet, when you're seeking but you haven't found it, then draw near to God in the darkness. This great verse in Exodus chapter 20 says that the people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness. Now look at this where God was. God wasn't out in the open. God was in the thick darkness. And sometimes when we walk through dark places in our life, people get crazy. Right? When the, I mean, if the lights were to suddenly go out in here, people would get crazy. There'd be some people who'd be freaking out, nothing happened. Ah, woo, ah, woo, ah. And that's what happens with people. Sometimes if an unexpectedly, uh, the darkness settles upon their life in some area, a relationship, a trauma, something unexpected, then people get crazy and they leave God and they divorce their spouse and they do crazy things with their finances. Listen, don't allow yourself to get crazy in a dark time, but draw near to God. Some people stood far off, but Moses said, no, God is in the darkness. I'm drawing near to him in the darkness. Because God can speak and do great things in your life in dark times where you have no understanding that he cannot do in times of full light. And then the last thing is keep walking. Trust and rely upon God. Draw near to him even in darkness. And keep walking. Second Corinthians, Paul tells us, he says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. You see, that's the beauty of this walk with God is we don't have to see to be able to walk with God. We don't have to have a light to be able to walk with God. We can walk with God in blindness and pitch black darkness because we don't walk by what we see because God is a contrary God. He does things in different ways anyway. If I could see it, I would mess it up. But I can walk as a blind man with the God of the dark because knowing that he's doing something awesome in me that I cannot understand. 
Keep walking. Look at somebody and say, keep walking. Because even if you feel like that you're standing still, another thing that happens when people, when dark, dark places come upon our lives, when, when the lights go out in some area of our life, we get frozen, we paralyze, we don't do anything. Because we want God to turn the lights back on. And God's saying, just keep walking, just keep walking. Light will come. I will turn darkness into light before them. But you have to keep walking. Let God be the God who leads you as a blind man in the darkness. Even if you can't see, God is working. Amen? You can close your Bibles today. I want to pray for you today that God would give you a spirit of revelation and understanding. That He would give you a spirit of faith to trust Him when you cannot see Him and when you don't know what He's doing. And that He will give you the courage to keep walking with Him through the dark seasons and let him do what he is doing. As I told the first service, you see, sometimes there is mystery, concealing, or darkness in your life because you're not ready for where God wants to take you and so he's working on you. So there's darkness all around you. You don't know where you're supposed to go because you're not ready for that place yet. So God in his mercy and his grace, he's not going to let you screw it up. So he's going to, if he has to cause all the lights to go out around you so he can keep doing surgery and keep making you into the man or woman he's called you to be, bringing you what you need to where you can go into what he's called you to do, he'll keep it dark. And I'm cool with that, Lord. I don't want to go anywhere that I'm not qualified to go yet. But sometimes it's not because you're not ready. Sometimes it's because he's working something that you don't even know. And he's working. You may be ready and you've passed the test and you're ready to go. But there's still darkness because God's got some things on the other side to work out. Single woman, single man, he's working in somebody else's heart, getting them ready for you. Financial breakthrough, he's working on some other deal over here that you don't know about. So trust him. Trust him. Draw near to him. And whatever you do, keep walking step by step. And when the time's right, when you're ready, and with that situation, that thing is ready, God will remove the covers and it'll be the most glorious and wonderful thing that you could never even imagine because God is a God of the dark. Will you stand on your feet with me this morning? Father, I pray for each person here right now who may be in difficult situations, whether they be through relationships or circumstance, unexpected trauma or heartbreak, let them not curse the darkness, let them not question their God, but let them draw close while you work everything out, knowing that you have not hidden this thing from us, but you have a great plan for us, already secure, that the enemy cannot thwart. And we will do it. We will be it. We will see it at the right time. Let us continue to trust in you. Give us a spirit of wisdom and understanding. I pray that for some people here today, God, that you would reveal to them their next step. You see, sometimes we don't need to know the whole plan. We just need to know the next step. So, God, I pray that you would reveal the next step for many people in this room today. And that, you would that we would be able to celebrate your goodness when we walk through this and you turn darkness into light on our behalf. In Jesus' name, amen.